Frank, I am to believe that you are a security expert. Is that correct? <laughs> no, James. I don't know who would mislead you in that direction. Probably me. At one point, I probably said, I'm not a real security expert, but I do like to talk about security. How about that? Uh, yeah, that's good. I mean, we tried to get Troy Hunt on, and by tried, I mean, I didn't I didn't do anything except for, you know, Troy Hunt is off open sourcing, have I been pwned, and doing awesome things in the .NET community. But that would be a cool interview to get on one time to talk about the thing yeah. that we're going to talk about today. But we're not going to do that. We're just going to pretend like we know exactly what we're talking about, Frank. <laughs> do I even know what we're talking about? See, I, I think Troy should be able to read our minds, too. So Troy. like he should just he should have just shown up. Maybe I mean, he will. I'm obviously talking about CVE 2021-30747. Oh, good old CVE 2021-30747. I, I like to remember it because it ends in 747. I That's not true at all. Hello, we are talking about the Miracles uh, security hole that has been found in the... Uh, m1 chip and I, I i need to mind this miracles is spelled with a one where the i should be it's important because get it it's an m1 i see i see what they did there that was very clever it's like uh, code red like the the mountain dew <laughs> code red they were drinking some code red mountain dew and they're like whoa we're gonna name this so th th this is sad let, let me start by saying this is sad i'm sad because the m1 has been perfect up till now right it's just the perfect chip uh, yeah, in fact, I've been using my MacBook Air a whole lot more recently outside, uh, in the, you know, on the couch, just all over the place, programming, watching videos. And it is a delightful machine that's very snappy. And I'm, I'm very impressed by it. And, you know, all the things, even the new M1 IMAX, a lot of really positive reviews going on. So, yes, this is a bit sad, you know, that our little M1 chip you know, will soon need to be modified in some way to potentially fix this miracles. Uh, it's not even a, I guess that's a bug. It's a vulnerability-ish. It's because it's not a, you know, there's other things out there. Like when often we talk about security, we're thinking about malware or cyber attacks, but then there are the things like in the silicon, you know, I think about Spectre and Meltdown, those different things that impacted uh, Intel and AMD and ARM base machines and those were patched at a soft I don't even I don't even know like whatever's on it there's like there's like firmware or something like in the in chip yeah. or something Frank magic magic, magic. uh I, I don't believe this one's actually patchable the reason the intel chip is patchable is because the code that the chip is the processor is actually executing is not x86 the way we think of it it actually recompiles x86 into a proprietary Intel format that the chip processes. And it's actually that translation unit that can be uh, changed. And so when those security vulnerabilities came out, which I remember very clearly because I had just spent a lot of money on my new iMac Pro, and I lost like 20 to 30% of my performance because of that stupid security vulnerability in Intel chips, which was very, very annoying. And, you know, it's funny how security is because it's all about levels and possibilities. And is this theoretically possible? Does this compromise the security of the machine? What does the security of the machine encompass? You know, uh, is it accessible through the web? There are so many ways to rank uh, 
the severity of these vulnerabilities. And from what I've been able to read so far, not to spoil it, but this M1 uh, security hole doesn't seem to be too terrible. No, yeah. The the Miracles CVE 2021-30747 vulnerability designation uh, apparently violates an OS security model. And what they're saying is that there's ways of sending packets of information uh, on malicious applications that were installed. They can transmit data to and from each other. Okay, so... Uh, this isn't like one application is reaching into, let's say the keychain and grabbing something, or let's say NS user defaults and reading information from another, an, another application that would be bad. Uh, or a good example is like sandboxed, you know, private data or whatever. It can reach in and, 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 and access something, uh, without it being granted, what this is happening is, yeah, it can basically send packets of information to and from another application that is listening and trying to transmit data for it. So it has to be two or more of these applications, which means that you would have had to install two or more of these applications, or for example, um, you know, maybe a, a hacker or developer would put this in all of their applications to send packets of information to and from their other applications. And that could be malicious or not malicious at the same time. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of funny how, how it is because you need two apps to conspire with each other to transmit data. And having come from the sandbox world, at first I was like, well, this seems kind of silly, but it is something that we've never been able to do really in iOS. They've baked in a million, uh, iOS and Mac in this case, uh, they've baked in a million different process control APIs by which the operating system can make sure that two apps are communicating with each other in a safe manner and that they don't have access to anything uh, naughty or anything they shouldn't have access to. What is insepid about this one, or insidious, I don't know which word to use there, uh, is that these two apps can communicate with each other without the kernel ever getting involved. So the kernel cannot enforce its security model. So that is definitely the vulnerability side. That is definitely a mistake that I think that's what they're saying. Like That should just not be possible. And I honestly don't understand what communication channel they're using aside mm. from it does seem to be registers. So just plain old, good old fashioned CPU registers. <laughs> Somehow some of those are getting um, leaked through between the two processes. Yeah, my under yeah my understanding is is that it's the same thing that they are using the CPU system registers from the user space that is being able to write and read you know from these random registers and and like you said there are ways of apps to communicate today that the that the OS can kind of enforce some limitations or at least some visibility you know files sockets things like that there'll there'll at least be some knowledge of that happening this is sort of like a backdoor almost into these registers registrars regist registering registrars <laughs> if you will um that that goes into it that that's what it's i think about 
uh, yeah, and actually, I, I just read something real quick. Breaking news, breaking news. Uh, the security hole seems to be about two bits wide. So it's not even the full register. It's just these two little control bits on one of the CPU system registers. What a funny little bug. And I, I'm surprised because you would think that... Um, all these chips, I, I guess I've always assumed that the M1 is basically an A15 or A16, whatever it would be. But Apple's been making these A chips for a while. And I know people have been hacking away at the iPhone. So I kind of assumed that it was a perfect chip, you know, or the design was kind of perfect. It, it's a silly assumption, obviously, to make, especially as an engineer. I, I should be a little bit ashamed. But they have had such a good track record that something like this is um, pretty interesting. Yeah, and because of how this vulnerability appears in the registrars, it would have to be a physical change to the chip. Now, there is some interesting things. We actually got asked on Twitter to discuss this, and again, we're not security experts, but you know, reading through some of the uh, C files that were online and some of the different discussion, you know, on a Mac, it's a little bit, you know, what's the what's the use case here for it? You know, you're installing applications, you know, you're doing oh. stuff, and, but what's to stop someone from just writing random bits of data to sort of, you know, like what if Apple installs an, up, an update to the OS and then the, the, you know, OS just writes random bits nonstop to these registrars and like, you know, scrambles your stuff. Right. So there's, there's, uh, some, some issues here, even, with just how it's being accessed with these random bits from the registrar. Yeah, you you even gave me an example, which is what actually kind of piqued my interest in this bug, because at first I was like, eh, you know, it seems so minor. But then you brought up a good one. And I'm, I'm going to give an example here, but I want to make it clear. This is not happening. This, this company is not involved. I'm just going to mm. use this as an example. Okay, just an example. Hypothetical. Okay. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Who doesn't like to pick on Facebook? Sorry, Facebook, I'm going to pick on you. Uh, imagine that they have nefarious ideas and they want data from apps that Apple does not want to give them, mm. but they want that data. Uh, but we all put the Facebook SDK into our apps because we want to talk to the Facebook. So there's millions and billions of apps out there with the Facebook SDK. Mm -hmm. This little side channel thing would allow for Facebook to communicate from the SDK to a running Facebook app. It would have to be tricky because like on iOS, apps really don't run at the same time, or at least they try not to. Uh, but on Mac, definitely a more common thing. And the reason I keep bringing up iOS is the new iPad has an M1 chip in it. It's not clear whether um, it has this vulnerability also, but uh, is, is that true? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm side-tagging myself here. Uh, is there any word on whether this affects the iPad? Oh, I don't know, actually. Because the iPad does, I must, because, yeah. Same chip. Same chip. <laughs> I, I mean, they could have made tweaks. They don't necessarily say specifically if it is impacting the iPad, but I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Well, so either way, the, this creates a back channel that... Um, evil, evil people could definitely exploit, and they would do that. I feel like a lot of that's going to get caught pretty quickly, but it does open up the possibility because the point of this is the kernel can't enforce its security model on those two bits of data <laughs> that you get to communicate through. Yeah, uh, that, that would be the 
the biggest issue is if they decide to roll out the M1 to every single iPhone this fall, it, you know, one, they probably have an M1X chip is what we're thinking anyways. And it would be something even maybe special for the, you know, M1M or I don't know, whatever. It might be something special for it. Uh, but I think the other thing too is if that was to occur, then you're right. Someone like a Facebook or some other ad SDK or analytics software could slip this data. And the biggest, the biggest reason why this is important, by the way, on iOS and would be fascinating about this iPad OS stuff too. I did not even think of this with the new iPad pro is, um, and it says here in another article I'm reading on Apple insider that it would, it does affect every single, every single thing, including iOS. Um, and the biggest issue there is if you were, let's say a keyboard application, okay. Which has no internet connectivity, no way to get to anything, right? That that's one use case that could be bad because you could slip data to another app or another SDK that's reading data and writing data. Or like you were saying, if it was an analytics SDK or some other SDK that tons of people have installed, uh, as a developer, you don't know what that thing is doing unless you're trying to go through. And of course people would probably figure out it's doing that. But the thing there is because of that new privacy pop-up thing, you could imagine these companies wanting to get around it, right? And that would be the thing is they could send bits and data that they know about a user over, make the ads better. Is that malicious? <laughs> but you could see where it could it could potentially have um, some issues unless they were able to catch that in the app review process. Man, you're freaking me out about the keyboard example. That, I mean, at some point they would get caught because they would have to upload the data for it yeah. to be like an effective whatever, you know, it would have to leave the phone at some point, but, and hopefully someone would realize that at some point, but yeah, um, wow, that, that's a, that's a scary example. I, the trick with security, as I said, was the priorities. I was thinking about um, these funny bugs we used to have back when I was working at Microsoft, I was working on. I actually am technically a security professional because I worked on a security part of a piece of software mm. and I had to be like Mr. Security and put on my gray hat, white hat, whatever hat you're supposed security, to put on. Se- security hat. You put on the security yeah. hat. Yeah. yeah. Big S on it. Yeah. Uh, and I was working on the codecs for graphics file format. So mm. JPEG, GIF, um, what's the other one? Ping and TIFF. Oh, Windows the worst. All those. TIFF is yeah. the worst. It's always riddle. I, you know, I worked at Canon and uh, you have to send printers all this data. And we had software that was sort of like auto, auto, not AutoCAD, but more like Photoshop, but for printing, doing CAD drawings and things. And TIFF and PDFs are always the worst. And you'd always see security flaws or issues with TIFFs and things like that because it's a very, 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 very old uh file format in general so anyways continue it's it's not just that it's old it's just that it's powerful um it has like jump statements in it where like the reader is supposed to advance x bytes which might be inside or outside your buffer so you better check all your buffers and be very careful and you can even get into infinite loops it can tell it go to here go to there and do an infinite recursion the security around tiff is amazing 
but some of the most insidious, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep using that word today, uh, bugs were what we call denial of service, where actually it, that, that TIFF example was a perfect example of it. The denial of service bugs were you tell the operating system to open this file and it gets hung in an infinite loop. Mm. And you're like, oh gosh, like, is that a security flaw? And the reason no one really wanted to make it a security flaw was because there were a lot of ways you could do that. <laughs> and, but at some point we had to say, yeah, that is a security flaw because you are eating a CPU. And yes, browsers can be smart. They can check how much of the CPU they're eating and they can back off. And there are ways for apps to protect themselves, but we decided fundamentally the operating system needs to protect itself. And so I actually got the job. It was one of the more fun ones because you weren't like um, necessarily um, like breaking into the computer and getting the passcodes and all that stuff. But it was like, hey, can I can I drive your little library insane to the point where it just eats up all all the system resources it can and DOS a computer all by itself. Yeah, that'll do it. And you know, you see this all the time when we talk about security things. You you know, you you see all these updates to iOS or to Android, there'll be small little patches. You know, iOS 14.6 just came out like really soon after 14.5. And I'm pretty sure there was some, you know, I don't know what the security flaw, but there's always oh, something. Yeah. It's like there's some, a lot. <laughs> some web kit thing or some image thing or some encoded. I remember there's like an encoded iMessage string that you could send people that would like cause some issue or something. And yeah, software is hard and hardware is hard and CPUs, man, that's gotta be real hard. Well, the buck stops at the CPU is the problem. And this is where the unpatchability of the M1 is the problem here. Because for as much as I hated my up to 30% CPU loss on my Intel machine from Spectre and friends, they were able to patch it or disable that hardware. I don't know exactly how they patched it, but things got slower, but at least they were secure. I hate that word also, but you know. It was secure. This is hardware. And as far as we can tell, it's not patchable. And so we're stuck with it. Yeah. Uh, were, were you around for when the first Pentiums came out? And they all, like, gosh, it was only like six or nine months after the very first Pentiums came out. We were all excited. We were ton- done with the 486s. It had new instructions. It was very advanced. And then it had a bug in Division. Do you remember that? No, I did not remember that. Oh, it was hilarious. They screwed up floating point division, I think it was. (laughs) And there were just a million examples you could give it where it would give the wrong result. And then people, or it might have been square root. It was one of those two. Uh, And I think they patched it or basically every compiler in the world for about a year or two would work around the bug because Intel was Mia Copa everything. (laughs) And so that one's a weird one because it's not even security. That was just a flat out bug, but I'm old enough to remember that happening. So these smaller bugs don't really phase me too much. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. I feel like we've come a long ways and whatever the M1 team did they spent a long long time i mean this has been out for what eight nine ten months now at this point and it's pretty solid i would say that this is the this is the concern right which is not really a concern 
based on the current limitations. That being said, there are potential ways like we talked about to to exploit it a little bit more if it was on more of every single iOS device or the next gen iOS device. But I imagine that once they tweak and tune even further, you're going to see less and less and less issues. And you see very rare CPU vulnerabilities, less so than software, right? However, they're not non-existence. They are, they exist, which means everyone, anything's possible, right? And I think that it's pretty good sign that it's been so long and this is this is the severity. Now, if there's security experts listening, we would love <laughs> to hear from you. Go to mergeconflict.fm. There's a contact button. There's a Discord channel. You can tell us how wrong or how right we are. But uh, overall, I I read the articles. I read the blogs from the people. I watched the videos of the people, and I I wasn't. I was like, okay, cool. Like that's you know, good find. <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah. It's impressive. It, that's imp- it's impressive when people find stuff oh, yeah. like that. So. I mean, Spectre. How did they ever find Spectre? I, I don't know. That, I there there are some geniuses out there. So hats off, white, black, and gray hats. All hats off to you, all you hackers, because it's it's pretty cool stuff. I will admit to that much. Um, but you know, the M one's been doing so well. I think we're, we're still in that funny phase where software is letting down the M one. So I'm I'm you know, and by that I mean when I run. Uh, a lot of SDKs specifically because mm. we're all developers. We're running a lot of SDKs and uh, all the big packages are being slow to update to it. Um, I finally got a Python version working that could actually do some stuff. I was pretty proud of that, but um, I haven't been able to get um, a lot of other developer tools to work on Intel. So we're still in this funny phase of, I think the software is letting down the M1 more than the M1's letting us down. <laughs> I think we're still far on that side of history. Still yeah. waiting for the SDKs to catch up. Yeah, you know, overall, I agree with you. That's been my biggest, oomph, I would say, with it. It hasn't been terrible. In fact, there's quite a few good articles. I put out one. There was another one uh, from some of the folks at Telerik that put one on the on the Visual Studio blog talking about how they do setup and get Docker things to work and kind of work around some of the limitations today as things upgrade. But I will say, overall, I've been pretty impressed with my normal development. I do believe that the more severe issue is at least for iOS development that I've seen running into is the new uh big sur requirement for Xcode 12.5. That seems to be a big fiasco right now. So beyond that, uh I think oh. everything with the M1 is great. I'm sorry, I, I missed that. What what is that fiasco? <laughs> uh it has nothing to do with anything that we've been talking about. So let's okay. sidetrack. So real quick, real quick. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a it's a as we think about software, you know, and we think about development software, especially on M1 or new hardware, there's all different things, right? We're talking about does Docker run, does Node.js run, does yeah. Homebrew run, all this stuff. But then there's some things that have nothing to do with that, but it's more of an OS lock-in, right? Which is uh, Xcode 12.5 requires Big Sur. and oh, right. You know what is lacking in cloud-hosted Mac solutions? 
Big Sur machines. <laughs> yeah, I actually noticed that one of my GitHub actions broke. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do now <laughs> because they had they did not have um, Xcode 12.5 installed. I figured that's just one of those things where they'll get it up and running eventually. Yeah. Big Sur was a big change. I don't you know, we, we talk about it sometimes on this podcast, but um, I keep running into software that doesn't work with it. Talking about SDKs that don't work with the M1, finding SDKs that work with Big Sur is hard. They did something really interesting. All the system libraries, like all the actual code that the system is running, it all sits in one giant file, just one big glob of data. <laughs> and so like all these old developer tools that would say, you know, reference this library, and that library used to be a file in a directory, all Unixy, is no longer. That's not how it works. Oh. It's in this giant globby thing that no tools know how to handle i'm guessing that it's called a cache it's not called a glob i'm guessing that was something that came from ios uh. because it's an efficiency thing you you only have to load this thing into virtual memory once all the apps can hit it from virtual memory uh life is good but uh, all these developer tools <laughs> that are trying to reference these libraries individually cannot find it and it's it's not any of like the system tools. It's always the clever tools that, you know, try to go look in your user lib directory to see what's installed. It's the clever tools are all failing. And it turns out developers are clever and we like to write clever tools and a lot of them broke on Big Sur. So you're right. Now now I get what fiasco you're talking about. Yeah, there's does seem to be this influx of Things are getting a little bit more tricky. There's more security models coming in. And, you know, even for me, even to test all the different operating systems, obviously iOS is an ongoing concern. Testing, you know, different CPUs is a big concern for me too. I feel like I don't really have to worry about that on Windows. And maybe that's me. Like, I don't really care if it's an AMD or an Intel or, or even an ARM chip. Like if it compiles, it basically runs. However, you know, I, I, Sometimes I'm like, okay, well, it's running on Big Sur, but like, oh, it's an M1. Like, is it actually something different? I know it's not, but like, I've had my stream timer for some people, like they'll install it and they're like, for some reason, it just can't read the, it can't read the file. It can't read the file. Like, I don't know. Hmm. And I was like, I don't know, just give it full disk access or whatever, you know, in the dropdown. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that worked. That's great. And I'm like, but nothing changed. Uh. Like I've, but thousands of people have installed it on all different things. And I'm like, I don't know if that's an M1 thing or something else. I can't repro it. Is it an iCloud thing? Like there's all these weird use cases where I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what's going on anymore. And, uh, uh, that's okay. Sometimes I guess. Yeah. Tell me about it. I'm trying to write an IDE that lives in a sandbox. You know what people's project files have? references to files all over the hard drive everywhere <laughs> it's so hard to load that stuff in a sandbox uh just want to give another shout out i do this about every six months nsurl has security bookmarks if you want to have reliable file access in ios and mac get your nsurl to you can serialize the security bookmark and mm. you can unserialize it. And if it ever goes stale, you can ask the user to open the file again, but it guarantees that you'll have access to that file. And a really cool thing about it is if that file just so happens to be in iCloud, then it would show up in iOS also, that one mm. bookmark. 
would show up in both. Anyway, I just wanted to give a quick shout out because anytime dealing with the sandbox is so hard. So I feel like anytime I have a little pro tip for the sandbox, I have to give it. Pro tips with Frank. How how can we have a security episode without talking about the sandbox? Because well, I guess that's the joke here too, is that the sandbox didn't help. We, we got those two bits through on the register thanks to the miracle bug. Uh, it stinks, especially, you know, so much of my life is based around trying to figure out how to do things under the sandbox. <laughs> but it turns out there's been a leak the whole time. The sandbox has a leak two bits wide. It's uh, yeah, that is that is something to think about. I was I was listening and watching a lot of the the Apple and Epic uh, showdown the court cases <laughs> and and you know oh boy uh, Craig Federighi was talking a little bit about you know how Mac itself is a little bit more leaky because there's less there is a lot of security precautions but because you can install things separately and there's ways to do you know it's a it's a desktop operating system it's not as locked down whereas the app store is this but to your point is hey there's there's things that even the operating systems operating systems sometimes can't control and that is a, a bit a bit scary, but I guess that's every computer that we've ever used. So yeah, I can't yeah. be too, I can't be too like worried about it. Like I'm not, I'm not going to return my M1, you know? No. So after 29 minutes about talking about security, I'm, I'm going to end with, I really don't care about security. Yeah. I've been using unsecure computers forever. Um, I, I guess I care about the security of my bank account and that's yes. roughly about it. <laughs> so as long as banks you are not off the hook you have to do all this stuff but for all other users really do you really care if they get your photos i don't i don't care <laughs> but um you know what that's a privileged statement to make and i will say i don't i'm lucky that it applies to me but uh security i'm lucky that security is not that important to me but i'll try to care more <laughs> i'm in a mixed bag i think that security you know, I became an iPhone user because of the security model. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I use um, Apple Maps because of the security model. So to me, security is important and the dedication to security is there. And, and I think what we're maybe waiting about, and maybe by the time this podcast comes out, who knows, it's going to be the first day of WWDC. So no one's going to be listening to this podcast. You'll be listening to it later. Uh, you know, I believe that Apple will fix it or, you know, in the next iteration or address something or do something, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's probably all hands on deck over there. I have to imagine. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if they'll address it. A lot of times they don't like, you know, they have software security bugs all the time. Um, they're constantly getting patched. And they never talk about those. Maybe I, I can't think of any WWDC where they've talked about a security patch, but maybe for Spectre, maybe that one came up. I'm now I'm actually kind of curious. So it'll be interesting to see if they mention it at all. My guess is not. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. Let us know what you think about security just in general by writing into the show, mergeconflict.fm. And if you want a topic covered, you can always tweet at us at James Montemagno, at Proclarum, at mergeconflict.fm. We literally talked about this today because you asked us to do so. So I hope everyone found it entertaining a little bit. I know I did, Frank. 
uh, yeah, I'm 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 still gonna say I'm a little bit sad. The the M1 will always be perfect in my heart, but it's like nine nines now. It's not a million nines of reliability. <laughs> yeah, it's like that um, uptime. It's it's ninety nine point nine 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 nine. Yeah, still enough yeah. nines. Yeah, you're, you're, I still love you, M1. <laughs> yeah, I still love you, M1. You're you're good. All right, cool. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. That's gonna do it for this week's podcast until next week i'm james montemagno and i'm frank krueger thanks for listening peace